Today I want to talk to you about something which is not practical because so many times people want to know, tell us something practical how we can balance our deen and dunya how we can balance our ilm and zikr how we can balance our hukukul ibad, our family life, our role as husband, father, student, worker, professional, whatever in our deen and I've talked about that many times already alright so today I want to talk to you about something impractical and that is something not to balance that's something to have in moderation that's something that which will not look at anything else any other consideration that is what we call your jazba and your junoon your jazba and your junoon and there was words that they used to use majzub and majnoon but they were used in different ways and that's some special people that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself gives them this jazba and junoon jazba means this ardent passion and junoon means craze so yes to some extent I feel like I'm hearing an echo is it? Is it of Okay. Jazban Junoon is an ardent passion and an intense craze. Sometimes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can give it to a person. That's not in your ability. But there's a lot of jazba and junoon that is is ikhtiyari, is kasbi, is in your ability. So forget about making I mean, for now topic is not how to be more regular, how to be more consistent, how to be more practical, how to be more balanced. Today's topic is how to be more passionate, how to be more crazy about the Even if you can't do anything about it. Alright? That's something that's to I accept it. You have practical constraints, you have issues, you have to work, you have family, you have commuting. I'm not talking about any of that. How much you can do. Jazba and Junoon is about how much you want, how much you dream. How much you desire and love Allah Spanta, irrespective of how much you might actually be able to do in whatever circumstances you are in your life. The second thing, your passion, your desire, how much you want, that has to be full throttle. That doesn't look at all at what's going on, your situation, circumstances, context, hal, muhal. It doesn't look at that. That has to be intense. That's what Nadina Amun Ashad Ashad extremely intense love for Allah Spanta. And it's a very important thing in the path to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that a person has to have that passion and craze. Even if they can only do a little bit, even if they're doing less today than they did six months ago, even if they see no hope in the future for ever being able to do any more, any more Quran memorization, any more recitation, any more ilm, any more zikr, any more khidmah, any more dawah, they see no practical hope for that. It doesn't matter. Your passion and craze should still be high. And you will see people are like that about dunya. You will find people in this dunya that if you sit them, I sit them down and tell them, you should give up, it's not going to happen. You won't be a doctor, it's never going to happen. You don't have those grades, it's not going to happen. You're not going to be able to pass my course. I've had these conversations, right? Hmm? It doesn't matter, they, they have this passion, they have their craze, and they don't know what to do with them. Because they they, then you see, it's good to do it. How can I explain to them? How can I explain to this person? This person is just wildly passionate, crazy. He's not listening to sense. He's not listening to reason. I'm trying to bring him down to earth. I'm trying to make him more practical. I'm trying to make him realize, but I can't because the guy is crazy. That's how you're supposed to be about deen. The whole dunya, naf, shaitan, makhluk, so many things are trying to get you to be practical. You can't, you have to be passionate. Practical is a necessity. You're going to end up having to be practical. You cannot lose your jazbat, you know, your passion, craze, desire for them. No matter what. A strange thing I saw in some people, and this was a bayan I was preparing, and this is a topic maybe more for the women in any case. But I will just tell you a little bit, and inshallah one day when the bayan is ready, we'll give it. 
some people lose this passion and craze because of their huzun and some of them because they're mayu, some because they're depressed depression not because anything in their life or circumstances or difficult issue or elderly parents or marital problems no just their depression makes them lose the passion and craze for deen so this is wrong I would go even so far as to say this is a sin to let your emotional life become a ghalib on your spiritual life just like it's a sin to let your nafs physical self become a ghalib on your spiritual self you can't let the emotional self become a ghalib on the spiritual self the spiritual self has to be ghalib your deen, salat al-mustaqeem, ta'aluk ma'allah, your connection and relationship with Allah subhanahu ta'ala is the utmost, first, foremost priority takes precedence of every other thing in life, physical, emotional, sensual, whatever. Yes, there's another word in Arabic, huzan, which is gham. Huzan is a good thing. Huzan is a good thing when it's for deen. And having huzan, the anbiya had huzan, Nabi Akrim sallallahu had huzan. Sayyidina Abu Bakr as-Siddiq had huzan. La tahzan innullaha ma'ana. It means he had huzan. He's the greatest of the Siddiqeen, the greatest of the awliya, the greatest of the sahaba. He had huzan. But huzan in order to be called ham, in English you could call it like a genuine burning concern about something. But it has to be for deen, not for dunya. So we don't even want huzun for dunya but you can have huzun for deen so if you are following things or you hear about Burma or you hear about Syria it can't make you depressed no 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 there's no benefit to anybody there's no benefit to yourself and there's certainly no benefit to them it can give you gham it can give you dard it can give you fikr it can give you huzun it can give you genuine worry and concern but that has to be channeled either that you do something about it or you make some dua about it or you cry to Allah subhanahu wa about it but it's not that okay well i understand what's the point why am i living in england no, these things that there's no benefit to you nobody's going to be able to answer that question for you there's no answer to that question you are living in england purely due to accident <laughs> or if you want to do you will never find some deep metaphysical reason as to why you live in this country because none exists all right there's no higher reason that why you were here right Yes, you are on earth, on this land of earth. Who is, I mean, Ard, to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's the same reason you're in English. It's enough for you. It's enough. All right? But, you would see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned in Quran, both about Jannah and about Awliya, that there's no huzani. Awliya Allah inna awliya Allahi la khufun alayhim wa la hum Jannah is a place with the people, same words of there will be no fear and there will be no huzn in Jannah. And why is Allah SWT telling Nabi Kareem sallallahu in Quran through Nabi Kareem sallallahu in Quran Allah SWT tells the mother um, of Sayyidina Musa salam, and Allah SWT tells Sayyidina Maryam jamaatu sahaba so la tahzan, la tahzani, la tahzanu these are three Quotes from Quran Al-Karim. Alright? Why? Because Allah SWT saw that some people, these Anbiya Awliya, had so much huzan for deen, for ummah, for insan, that it made them lose their sukoon. We call Bechayin okay. So because Allah SWT loves these people so much, He doesn't want their huzan and worry and concern of deen to let them even lose their sukoon. Allah So look how much Allah SWT wants people to have sukun. Alright? So you cannot have any of this depression or grief or sorrow or sadness. Yes, you can only have positive worry and concern for deen and for the ummah. Now going back to this issue of passion and craze. Alright? So by practical again it meant that you always have to want to do more even if you're not able to do more. So there are a few ways to do this. Number one is to make dua to Allah subhanahu wa in shukr. Even when you do the tiniest amal, you pray maghrib salawat jamaat. Okay, praying fajr might be a big thing these days. Praying maghrib or isha salawat jamaat isn't such a difficult thing for people, right? After you pray, you make dua shukr to Allah subhanahu the way somebody would have made shukr, like if they hadn't prayed salah for 10 years, 
and Allah gave them to Afiq to start Salah again. Because that Maghrib Salah that you prayed that was supposedly easy and Masha, you never did Qasa of Maghrib Salah in 10 years, it's still the Fazl of Allah SWT. There's no strength in you. You're not arrived at Istikamat and Maghrib Salah. When you make the Allah SWT, it's only your Karam and your Tawfiq that I prayed this Maghrib. It's only your kindness, it's your Rahmah, your mercy that I prayed Maghrib. Allah SWT, I need this mercy more. I always need this mercy. Tomorrow let me pray Maghrib because of your Rahmah. Now, it's not my Adat now. It's not my habit now. It's not my sifat now. It's not my hal now. It's not my attribute. I'm not, I don't own this. I'm nothing. <laughs> anything, anything could go from me. Then you will have more shukr. Then you will lose the depression. You will realize how much Allah SWT has given. Then you'll stop thinking that, oh, I'm not able to do this. I wish I could do more this and more that. When you realize how much Allah Ta'ala out of His karam, fazal, and tawfiq is allowing us to do indeed, you will be humbled. And you will be amazed. And you will feel that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala truly you, you have rahmah on me. You have mercy on me. Second is about the sins. So you know many times in tasawwuf, and in deen it is a correct way of explaining, and I've also used this way of explaining, that we do, do sin due to our shaitan and due to our nafs. Right? So I'm going to give you another way. That's not wrong. That is correct. I'm going to give you another way to talk to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is as follows. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala me, I do sin, not because of my nafs, because of me. I'm so bad that my nafs is able to take advantage of me. If the nafs is amara, it's amara over something. If the nafs is commanding, who is it commanding? It's commanding me. Right? So find the nafs is amara. That's in Quran. It's commanding. It's fa'il. It's a subject. Who is the commanded one? Who is being commanded? Who is listening to the commands? That's me. And if I wasn't so bad, maybe my nafs wouldn't be able to command me. Hmm? In fact, I'm so bad that I have the ability, the knowledge to do properly any sin. There's no sin that we couldn't, either we already don't know how to do it, or we, could, we know how to find out. There's no sin that we don't have either one of them. We're only one step. Either we have direct knowledge, or we're one step removed from sin. There's no way that you can say, there's a sin and I don't know how to do it, and I don't even know how I could find out how to do that. No, you definitely know the second thing. That's how close you are in any sin. If there's any sin you didn't do, it's not because we reached taqwa, it's because of the rahmah of Allah SWT. Because you say Allah SWT is your rahmah that you had into the sin. It's only your karam on me, your tawfiq, your fazl, your inayat, your, your, your grace, your generosity, your gift, your mercy. Allah SWT, me, <laughs> I'm more bad than anybody's nafs in me, myself, I'm bad. Forget my nafs. Hmm? And that's true for many of us. You know? And obviously, if it can only be a person who's bad that their nafs is able to take the better of them. If the person is good, how's the nafs going to get the better of them? So I don't, we don't realize how much Allah SWT has already given us. So we, have to, we can't be whining and crying about the extra super ibadahs we thought we could do. That's actually a type of ujjah. It means that really I'm in this, but because of my worldly problems and my business or my job or stuff, I'm only able to do this. But really I'm this. No, really you're this. It's Allah Ta'ala's mercy that He even able you to do whatever little you think you're doing. That's also the karam and fazl of Really you're this. You know? We don't realize our hakikat. You know? We are very muhtaj and needy of this mercy of Allah Ta'ala. So one way you can understand this is Allah SWT explains one aspect of his rahmah's mercy as him being sattar. And many ulama describe this as a likeness of Allah Ta'ala putting a veil, cloaking a person's thing. So you can get a mangle like this and when it's cold, Allah is not so cold here again. But when it's very cold and you have a cover, if you do qadr of that blanket, you go into it even deeper. That's how you should feel the mercy of Allah Subhanahu You already have His mercy on you. You have to go into it even deeper. Then you will be truly appreciative of it. You'll be more able to attract more of His mercy. And tazkiyah ultimately is that it happens due to the mercy of Allah Subhanahu That's when Nabi Akhirim said a hadith and he was actually telling, and he, amongst others, he also told Sayyidah Fatima and when she asked a follow-up question on him, Rasul said that none of you will enter Jannah due to their amal. Means amal, taqwa, zikr, anything. Ilm, nothing. 
illah nor will enter Jannah except due to the rahmah, the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And she asked him, even you, she asked her father, Sayyidina Rasulullah he said, even me, Allahu Akbar Kabira. Hmm? Ajeeb. And this wasn't false humility, this was truth, this was haq. Allah Ta'ala's rahmah. Allah Ta'ala's rahmah. So these four words, and then I will explain this to you a little bit today. So there are these four words that come from this path. Tazkiyah's word comes in Quran Al-Kareem. Asan comes in the Hadith of Nabi Akareem Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Zuhud was used by the Tabin and Tabai Tabin. And Suluk was used by later Mashai after Tabai Tabin. So I have to explain for us what do these what, what lessons can we get from these four words. So start with the word Tazkiyah. Okay? So yes, Tazkiyah means to be pure from sin. And what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was telling Nabi Akareem Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in the Quran is the Tartib Allah Ta'ala gave the Fatum in the Quran. Quran Wahi will be revealed to the Prophet and his duty will be to recite that revelation perfectly, completely, accurately. Alhamdulillah. But once they hear that revelation, they're not going to be able to benefit from it. Who Sabakam are going to be able to benefit from it? Sahabakram will not be able to benefit from Wahi Kitabullah Quran even when that Quran is recited and taught to them by Sayyidina Rasulullah unless they have Tazkiyah. Normal alim may tell the students and mothers, right? Because like I'm teaching you, but it's not going to benefit you unless you leave sin. That's an ordinary madrasa with an ordinary stars or ordinary students. And this is Makkah Mukarramah, Nabiya Kareem, Sallallahu Jamaatul Sahaba. That the the Yu'azma teaching them the ilm and hikmah that comes later. That's clear. And I can tell you in my own life, whether if some of them are my students or my seniors or my fellows in the madrasa, there are some ulama I know in this age of 25 to 45, who I tell you in all honesty, their ilm is better than mine, their Arabic is better than mine, what we call their istidal, they're more sharp, right? But because they weren't able, they are not yet been able to give them hidayah and tawfiq and keep us in ifaza, because they weren't able to leave certain sins, or they found certain shortcuts, they themselves weren't able to, they can benefit others, they themselves weren't able to benefit from their own ill. They have more ill. <clears throat> I don't have a risk for that more ill that they have. I wish I had more ill. But that ill that they have that is more than me, it's not even benefiting them. Because they didn't view this Tazkiyah thing as important, you know. Some fellows were telling me about some quack guy in Birmingham. He called himself Mufti Alawam. I don't know some I'm not first hand, I only have second information about this. But I don't know what people are up to, you know. And the Arabic is good and they probably read a lot. And I can I I'm willing to even admit without even knowing much about it, that he knows Arabic better than me and he's read more than me. But if you don't have Tazkiyah, you're not worried about that, you're not trying to focus on getting the mercy of the Spontana, these things don't benefit you. It's not going to benefit you. Because that's the golden rule in Quran al Kareem. Early Makkan revelation, the Wahi telling this miyar, the the standard, the requirement to be able to from knowledge. So Tazkiyah means staying away from sin. So that's there, no doubt, that we also try to stay away from sin. We have to beg Allah to stay away from sin, right? But actually, the reality is it's going to happen with the mercy of Allah SWT. It's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's rahmah if somebody stays away from sin. Even if you call taqwa, it's still Allah ta'ala's rahmah. He does it by making, giving a person taqwa, but it's Allah ta'ala's mercy that that person got a taqwa. Wasn't there huge effort or huge athkar or huge ibadah? That's the outward sabab. It's Allah ta'ala's rahmah. Allah subhanahu wa he can give his rahmah. Is this his fazl, yudhima yasha? He can take it away from wherever he wants. That we are needy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is what I said. How to keep your passion and craze for that. Do you have to have a passion and craze for tazkiyah? Nothing can dampen that passion in you. Nothing can dampen that craze in you. That's the asal of deen. That's the foundation of sirat al-mustaqeen. Even if you think if there's some sin you think I'm never going to be able to leave it. It doesn't matter. Your passion for leaving that sin has to be high. Your success might be low. Your effort might even be low. But your desire has to be high. 
Like I told you, the people in the dunya, they're still crazy about dunya. They have no success. They have no success. They have no hope of success. But they're still crazy about it. They're still dreaming about it. Allahu Akbar. That's the cult. That's Jnun. That's Jnun. That's Jilba. That's what you have to have. That's not a practical thing. That's an impractical thing. But it's a good thing. It's a good thing. It's a, it's a critical thing. The second word, although the second the second word normally is mentioned in this tertib that Ahsan comes in hadith, but I'm going to talk about zohd first. Zohd was a word that meant that you have to limit your dunya. You have to limit. Again, it's about passions. So no jazba and junoon for dunya. That's what zohd means, basically. You have it. You can be comfortable in it. You can enjoy the comfort if you sit on a comfortable chair. You can enjoy the feeling comfortable in the chair. If you wear a warm sweater, you can enjoy feeling the warmth in the sweater. That's not an issue. But no jazba and no junoon for dunya. And you know, when I come to London, this is what I see and I feel so sad. You know, it always happens when we come to Pakistan. You know, that's a good thing for me going. This is one of the few good things about going back and forth. That's why it's very bad for many of the things. You constantly get this jolt. Mm-hmm. And when I see the people here, you know, and you meet a lot of non-Muslims who are very nice people, but basically they've been plugged into this system that is the exact opposite of Tazkiyah and Zuhud, and I'll show you Esan and Saluk. It's like they've been, it's like completely reverse program. Like we're all living, and those of you who live, you all live in this system, you're fishing the same sea. You're in the same sea. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know, you're a fish who has iman and, you know, who's praying salah and trying to come closer to us, but the sea is the same. And that's what I have to solve, you know. You just take one visit to a store, and, and, or, go, or, or a mall, or a row of stores, or you're just walking through to get to, from one train station to another. You arrive in these airports, and the type of, you know, just to get out of the airport, just to get into the airport, the type of stores they have, it's crazy. It's a cheap, it's, it's, it's a genuine. You can only do that if you're crazy. And the Muslims are in Dubai. I mean, people have Janun and Jasba for dunya. They've taken it to that level, you know. So that's again Zohd. And why, why did the Tabin and Tabar Tabin mention this word so much? And Nabi Karim Sassam didn't. Because in Sayyidina Rasulullah, he Sallallahu lifetime, Islam as a civilization did not become Ghalib. Barely. By the time Nabi Yukarim Sam passed away, Islam became Ghalib in the area from Medina Manar to Makkah, Makkah, Hudaybiyah, slight atraf. Then in the time of Sahaba Ikram, Futuhat, and by the time of Tabin, Islam was Ghalib. In the Persian Empire, Roman Empire, you can say pretty much finished or pathetic, it's finished. By the time of Tabin, Tabai Tabin, Islam is the Ghalib civilization in the world and stays like that for about a thousand years. Right? What happened when they became Ghalib in dunya, when we became Ghalib in dunya as an Ummah? You started getting some jazbah and junoon for dunya. You started getting some passion for dunya. Also, the Muhaddisin sat down, they started doing rivayat of hadith on Zod, making kitabas, compiling kitabas Zod. They said, This is a problem. This is a problem. And that's something that happens to Muslims who live in Western countries, because relatively speaking, they reach some level, not huge being Ghalib. But they get some level of attainment in dunya. They get some level of ghalbat. You understand? Some level of success, comfort, material success in dunya. And then you get it. You start losing some of the soul. You start losing some of the dunya. You get some passion. And you have to keep this in check. Now most people who come to this path of the soul, the soul is these things. The soul equals tazkiyah, zuhud, ihsan, and suluk. All right? Most people who come to this path of the soul have some level of zohd already in them. Otherwise, they won't come close. Them. They'll feel scared by this stuff, right? And alhamdulillah, I also feel for most of the people that we've met, most of the students we've had, they have zohd in them. There are other issues sometimes that people have. It's very rare that we have encountered a person or had a student who had severe material greed and severe, you know. Israf or you know superfluous spending, right? But you know I'll explain to you another way of zohd. Zohd also another way to understand the feeling of zohd. Zohd means you have to have a slight, slight, karahat for dunya. 
slight karahat, not for all dunya, not for your own home and your own, no, no. Karahat for the glamour and glitz and shine and sparkle of dunya. You have to feel a little bit of karahat, tabi karahat. You understand karahat, a little bit of unpleasantness, a little bit of dislike, a little bit of disconnect, lack of affinity. When you walk in the mall and you show up in the big shop or you see the display of the watch or whatever it is. You have to feel it. It has to pinch you a little bit. It has to sting you a little bit. Karaha also means you want, you want to be, you want bone, you want fasl, you want fasl, you want to be separate, you want to be away. You, you don't want to be there. Next time you think, okay, let me just go to a simpler <coughs> store and why do I have to go through all this just to get the pen? I wish I could have just, I wish the corner stores could come back and the malls would go away. Something like that. You have to have some karaha. Right? One way the ulama explained this concept of karaha is that if a person who is completely full in their food, right? And you put their favorite dish in front of them, they don't want to see it. It doesn't mean they're not denying it's a ni'mat from Allah SWT. It's halal tayyib food, earned through halal tayyib wealth. It's a, it's a wholesome thing, it's a good thing, it's tayyib food. It's a ni'mat from Allah SWT. But they just, they just say, no, no, let's go talk, just take it away. Right? They want a gap. They want a distance. That's all. <coughs> take it away. Doesn't mean take away your bed or your chair. Right? It's just take, take this fluff away, take these billboards away, take these ads away. Take this stuff away, you know. There should be a way of living without without all this stuff. And that's what these poor families don't have. The nicest, sweetest non-Muslim cannot have Zohar. Because they've had the crowd for the name. It's too much. They've been born and raised thinking that this is normal and natural. So they don't have that crowd. They don't feel anything. They walk in and talk. They like it. There's no question of any kind. Not in a bad way. Not even because they're not, not they're all greedy. Even the ones who are nice, earn moderately, spend moderately, give in charity, aren't greedy. But they can't feel Zohar. They can't. They don't want it away. They're, but it's, they're completely comfortable in it. They can stroll through a mall for hours, even if they don't even waste money there. But they're not bothered by it. They don't view it as extravagance. They don't view it as being superfluous. Except maybe some extreme leftist, progressive, green environmentalist types. Right? So this is a system. You know, and they don't view sin to be sin. This is a major thing. You know? A major thing. There was uh, once a Muslim student who came from Pakistan. On uh, there's this Commonwealth scholarship that they tried to give. You may come for years, years of colonialism by giving enough scholarship to the Pakistani students, right? So she came on the Commonwealth scholarship, right? And she met these uh, British, or I don't know who she met, right? And you know they started hating her because she was wearing a job. They don't know Islam is this and Islam is that, and you you oppressed and you're from Pakistan and. You people are oppressed, you know. And she tried. And she tried to explain to them what honor a Muslim woman has, and that you know how much you know nobody will touch us when we does anything, and we get a husband. And you people are, like the you know, Allah you know what is even beyond our ability to say. The way they live, and they think it's normal. You know, we walk around campus. It's a crazy thing. It's a crazy environment. You know, I mean, other than the library, the whole place is crazy. It's a jeep, you know. Other than that, it's crazy the way they talk, the way they interact. But they think it's normal. That's the tragedy. And one thing is a person is sinning because they want to sin, they think it's sin, like, leave me alone, I want to sin. And one is, this is normal. And it's amazing the level of doubt that has to be done on them to make them realize this is not normal. It's not the way a human being is supposed to live. There's some greater, and, and you know, I've also <coughs> noticed about them. They never even asked this question anymore. Like before, like when I grew up, when I was in high school, there would be non-Muslims who would ask us, oh, you know, why are we here? And why do we exist? And they don't even, they're gone now. They don't even have this question anymore. They're so deep in dunya. They don't they used to ask this question, I'm telling you. They don't ask this question anymore. Allah, mashallah. They're so gone into dunya. So gone into dunya, they don't even fathom or imagine that there could be anything more to life than the material. Subhanallah. But if a person was trying to do the sawaf in this environment, which is completely opposite of Zod, you know, completely opposite of Zod, 
If so, it's a very tragic situation. I think it's more tragic because at the time of Nabiya Kareem Sallallahu the Kufar, they were hardcore mushrikeen, they were in jahiliyyah, they were doing cruel, barbaric things. I, I wish we less, I mean, obviously we were alive, but if I had met the non-Muslims of that time, I would have much less sympathy for them. I thought they're actually evil people. These are actually nice people, right? So it's more of a tragedy. It's more of a tragedy. Gee, you know, opposite of Tazkiyah. They don't, they think they're pure. There's no concept like that. Could there be a more pure way, a more modest way that you talk about Hayat? There's no concept. It's not like the girl knows that there's something called Hayat, but she wants to live this lifetime. She doesn't even know such a thing exists. This is normal, you know. And men can just treat her as if it's possible. This is normal for her. She doesn't even think it's bad. Oh, that's what Kabira, you know. I don't know what Nabi Akram says from how he would have cried over this day, you know. Because he used to cry over the state of the Jahadi Mushrikeen and Makamukaram and Narayan Prince over their situation. And all the Anbiya, all the Anbiya cried over in some, you know. I mean, we might be living strangely enough. In a time when the the kufar, the nicest they've ever been in the history of humanity, but their type of kufar is the most removed from deen in the history of humanity. It defies logic. It's, a, it's such an abnormal situation. Right? But if we weren't on deen, we wouldn't know that. It is only Allah Ta'ala's rahmah. Everything I just said to you is like if I'm some brilliant <coughs> analyzer. Allah Ta'ala's rahmah that he gave us iman. Even if you just do shukr for that iman, you realize what a big rahmat is. As you can say, there are nicer people here who don't have iman. There are people who are nicer to the parents in here who don't have iman. There are people who give more charity. <laughs> there are people who give them more charity than I have. And they don't have iman. And I don't think there's anything, anything that our deen, deen of Islam calls good, you will find people in the society who have it more than you, but still Allah gave you iman. How much sugar we should do as well, and how much be needy we are for Allah for that iman. <coughs> that iman is a gift from Allah, and we are definitely living in that time that Nabi Kareem said that a person can wake up with iman and he can, before he sleeps, he can lose his iman. <coughs> we are living in that time. Every day you live your life like that. It's like the ulama, mashaykh, they tell a person that pray your salah. As if it's the last Salah you're praying, right? One Allah, one Mahdis, I remember he explained it like this, that pray Salah, that you're facing Allah SWT, or he meant you're facing, you're sort of fleeing towards Allah SWT, and death is chasing up at you from behind, this is about to grab you. Pray Salah like that. Allah Akbar Kabeera. Until Maut Aapke Piche, Allah Ta'ala Aapke Saamne, or Maut Aapke Piche, Tejis Bakra. Pray Salah like that. Hmm? We are like totally empty of these things. Empty of these things. So this Iman, Salah, these are big, big names from Allah SWT. And they just came to us out of Allah SWT's mercy. Hmm? So if we do more shukr of that, more qadr of that, that can give you a genuine and a jazbah and a Feeling for the small that might be more than if I you could I I fixed up your life and the council you so you get twenty more minutes to be sicker in the day. Hmm? Don't overestimate how much a bigger book because again that's an ujjah. Because you're thinking that my twenty minutes of zikr would be so amazing. <laughs> huh? May the beast minute I go or zikr kartana, witness the Buddha's zikr ota, jata. Even if I was to counsel you and mentor you and fix up your whole life, so you got 20 minutes extra zikr day, and you actually did 20 minutes extra zikr day, it wouldn't fix you that much. It wouldn't transform you that much. Because you're not doing, I mean, you're, it's not that level of zikr, right? It's not that type of thing. But if you could change the way you feel from the Svantana, if you could have more sugar from the Svantana, do more qadr from the Svantana, if you could feel more the Rahmah of Allah SWT, if you could go deeper into that blanket of his Satari and his Rahmah, oh, that would fix you up real good. That would fix you up way better than me fixing up your timetable in your life. Hmm? 
das ist das Gier und Sohut. Das Gier und Sohut. Dann hm? going back to Ihsan. Ab Ihsan ist aus Gajib, because obviously Sayyidina Rasulullah has in many Hadith talk about Adab and Akhlaq, right? And most famously Akhlaq towards the neighbor. And the Allah Ta'ala kept telling him so many things. That's also a very beautiful way for you to understand or ever explain to somebody about Wahi, Hadith and Wahi. Because you don't find mention of neighbor in the whole Quran. Alright? But so many Hadith about neighbor, about neighbor, about neighbor. And once Nabi Akhidin said, and you must have heard this, I thought next Allah Swank and Allah he gets shared in inheritance. Right? But, when Angel Jibriya, Asked Nabi Akhidim Sallallahu what is Iman? Subhanahu <coughs> so, wa Prophet said Iman, obviously that's about Deen, right? The believing in the Spata, angels, prophets, etc. What is Islam? Again, answer is going to be Deen, right? It's going to be Deen to pray, to fast, to pay the God, Quran, etc. Then third question is, what is Ihsan? Here Nabi Akhidim Sallallahu could have said, well, Ihsan is to, you know, so that somebody is always protected from the hurt of your hand and the harm of your tongue. But there's another hadith that says something like that. But the Muslim here could have replied, no, Ihsan is okay that. Iman is about deen and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Islam is about, Ihsan is about, hukuk al No, no, no. Ihsan, beauty, virtue, excellence, antabudallahu That's about feelings in these first two things. That's about having the Iman and Islam with your heart. Ihsan is also about ibadah. So this thing about Ihsan, this thing that comes into soul, the do zikr so you can remember Allah subhanahu ta'ala, do zikr so much that you never forget Allah subhanahu ta'ala, do zikr so that you can remember Allah ta'ala throughout your whole salah, this is the asal, this is Ihsan. I'm not saying all the adab, akhlaq have to be there, all the hadiths are there, we've already spoken to that other times, alright? This is an asal. So how to do your judgment noon about this? Okay. So now a person will say, no, but I never prayed this salah like that. There's never been a single day where all my five salah concentrations. Okay, fine. Just touch Ihsan once a day. One lama of Ihsan. You say Dhrut Shreef hundred times. One out of those hundred times, say it with feeling. Get one moment in your salah where you have feeling. Every day, just at least touch Ihsan. Have one moment of any ibadah, whether it's dua, it's laut quran it's muraqaba, zikr kalbi, it's tasbih, it's anything. In 24 hours, touch Ihsan once. You touch it once a day, you will always have judgment Janun for Allah SWT. Oh, you have the feeling, you won't have Ihsan all the time. Oh, I mean, I don't know if anybody can ever get that again, right? But you will always have that judgment Janun. If you touch Ihsan once, once a day. And that's possible. You're reciting istighfar, pause once and one time really say it from your heart. One time really present yourself to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala like a sinner and really beg him to forgive you. You can do it under because of all that you've all done. It's not you've never ever said istighfar once in your life, even once with feeling. Of course you must have. It's not that never in your life ever did you ever say one Sharif with feeling of love. Of course you must have. It's like you never ever said the wild feeling you were talking to Allah subhanahu Of course you must have. It's not that these things never happen. Just again, don't hold yourself to such a high level that attainment on this path is if it always happens all the time. It should happen at least once a day. Start with that. But some of us, yeah, we, we don't think like that. We're not even making it happen once a day. Yes, and if you don't make it happen once a day, you will lose the just bunch of stones. Then you again, beyond Marza, Sohba to reboot you and repump you within the Jasbun Janun. Again if you don't touch it once a day again you lose the Jasbun Janun. Every day. And if you find it's night time and you're about to sleep and you still didn't do it, don't go to sleep until you get it. Start any about it, any whatever it is, and find a way to touch Asan for one moment before you go to sleep. You have to touch it every day. And you may, when you seek and search for the Swantan like this, you will find his Rahma. His Rahma is dying. It's, it's ever present, perpetual, unfading, unwavering, always directed at you. That's Ar Rahman, always having Rahma, 
Ar-Rahim always directing that rahmah on them, on the Ahlul Bayt. That's one meaning of this. Always, it's like the spotlight is always on you. That you have to search for that light that is always shining on you. Hmm? Do you ever have to search for that light which is always shining on you? You just have to be aware of it. Hmm? You just have to just acknowledge it. Hmm? Just realize it. That that's how you do that once a day. Then you will always have jazdan jinoon, inshallah, for those long times. And yeah, your life might not change, your amal might not change, your ill might not change, nothing might change. But inside you will be changing. And that's the asal. And if somebody changes on the outside, doesn't change on the inside, you all know that that's not beneficial. That's like a nifaq, that's the type of hypocrisy. A person is flying on the outside, dying on the inside. There's no benefit in that even. Tazkiyah, Zuhud, Ihsan, and the fourth word is Suluk. Suluk was a word used by to mention one thing, that it's not always just about Jazba and Junoon. Sometimes the Jazba and Junoon has to be translated into hard work, effort, discipline. That's called Suluk. That's basically Suluk. Sometimes you do. You do strive, you do work for it. You do sit down and actually read Quran for one hour. You do actually stand up and pray Nawafah for one hour. You do actually do Muraqabah for one hour. You do actually do something serious, like a quick Vazni toast. Some tangible, palpable, substantive effort. That's called Suluk. Right? Because you you're not, not going to do this every day. You're going to do 24 hours a day. But there has to be that element there. There have to be moments. There have to be periods. It might be a weekend. It might be a night. It might be... You know, that's why many Mashaik used to have these... Have, in this day and age, actually, rather, have these things. Monthly this, weekly that, right? So at least for a few hours a week or a few hours a month or maybe one overnight program a month, a person does salute. Salute means, in this sense, I'm doing a linguist. I'm talking about formal asbaq of zikr. Salute means that actually put in the hard work. Means that you give into the jazba and Again, you cannot do it all the time. Your timetable, schedule, business, you can't do it all the time. But sometimes you have to let it be what dominates you. Maybe for a couple of hours, maybe for a couple of days. In olden times, they would do it for months and maybe for years. Alright? That part also has to be there. That part also has to be there. And it doesn't always have to be an organized program. Sheikh doesn't always have to be present. It can just be you, and I told you, you explained this to people, if I, I remember correctly last time, just go sit on the masjid from Asr to Isha from there. Especially in your time, in your timing, in this time of year, just sit on the masjid. If suddenly you've got nothing better to do. Hmm? Somebody told me a beautiful thing today, and normally people say to me that I was busy doing nothing. That's how people talk to me, so that's an incorrect statement. Today somebody said to me, I was free doing nothing. I said, that's the right way to say it. You say dumna. I was free doing nothing, as opposed to I was busy doing nothing. So sometimes if you're free doing nothing, sit down on the masjid from Masr Desha, that's it. Then you'll see, you know, it's easy, you know, I, I'm telling you, it's easy to drive four hours to see the sheikh, spend four hours with sheikh, and drive four hours back twelve hours. Then it's for you to sit for two hours on the masjid. Hmm? Yeah? <laughs> but that's a problem, right? That's not a problem, that's the level I'm going to take it to critique people that are monophic. No, we have to assess the reality, we have to say, okay, I accept it, doesn't problem with me. And then, okay, if I can't do the 12, at least I go to the 12 hours, and okay, fine, it's still better than doing nothing. But try to think about this. Try to get those two hours. At least put it on your goal, on your plan, on your wish list. And try. And go through the experience of failing, I'm not a problem. Go to the masjid, sit with the near, go there, I'm going to sit from Asr Desha and fail. You know, I, mean, I got up after Maghrib, I couldn't do it, I said, fine. Stay from Asr to Maghrib, right? I got up after one hour, I couldn't even last till Maghrib. You sat for one hour, right? You got somewhere, right? This is how you did it. This is what you did in dunya. You didn't succeed the first time you tried something in dunya. You aimed for this, you got this, right? You aimed for it again, you got this. You aimed for it again, you slipped back down to this. You aimed for this again, you got this. You kept, 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 kept doing. That's what's called discipline. You don't lose sight of the goal. Right? 
If another big problem we have, we make these, and this is a problem a lot of the people in the Sawaf have, I mean, people in this type of gathering of the Sawaf have, is they, when they get passionate, they make this huge, like a jeep, you know, like like they're a sheikh, they, they become their own sheikh, and they make a schedule for themselves that maybe their sheikh couldn't even make for them. It's such a brilliant, hardcore schedule. But they, they, can't, they, can't, they can't do it, right? And then they get depressed and they're able to do it. Do something, do anything, you know. And believe me, you, you walk out even after one hour, even half an hour after Asr, you walk away with something. And next time it will be easier for you to make that intention to Shudza Isha. And next time you'll be able to sit longer than the half an hour. You can make it a weekly thing. Every Sunday I'm going to try to sit for a minute, you know. Without, I know with the group activity, it's very easy with the soul, with the religion, the group activity, we, we can get you guys for hours and, and months and, and years, mashallah, right? And the group, that's how the groups work, that's how group mentality is, right? And that's a good thing, I'm not saying that's a good thing. But saluk actually meant your individual effort. How far can you go on your own? That's something, that's a topic I gave you last time, if I'm not mistaken. Allah SWT will always lift up a person and put them at this position. How far can they go on their own to Allah SWT? That's where salute. Right? That's why Nabi Yudhisattva said the beautiful things about Allah SWT's mercy. And in some hadith you find, I'll explain to you what saluk is. This, this particular way I'm explaining saluk to you today. All these terms are used in other ways as well, and all those ways are also correct. Right? Today I'm using it in a particular way. So look at this hadith Nabi Yudhisattva sallallahu said. Allah SWT especially loves that person who is traveling, like in a caravan or a convoy, and reaches their destination and is very tired, and everybody else legitimately goes to sleep, but that person stands up to make salat to Allah SWT. Nafil. Two rakats, nafil salat to Allah SWT. We even call this salat to tired. Yeah. This is salat to tired. Alright. Now, mashallah, I mean, some, some of you some, some of you people, I know the dunya is squeezing you so hard in the workday. You don't need to travel to pray salat to tired. Because by the time your corporate work or whatever thing is done with you at the end of the day, you are more tired than the traveler back in the day who used to travel in large convoys or caravans. Hmm? Just the same because concept is there. Fine, that's not the nas, the words of the Hadith are about the Musafir. But then it's also, you know, it's about the Musafir who reached home. So that's strictly not Musafir anymore. He's, he's arrived at home, but he's tired. You know, look at another Hadith. Allah Akbar. And the Vyakarim said, Allah loves that husband, or it could be spouse also, the women were listening, I don't know if I would change it to spouse, that they have their spouse there, lying with them in the bed, and they leave the side of their spouse just to pray two rakahs for Allah. Right? And you can continue the hadith and say they leave the spouse and pray two rakahs and they get right back in bed. You'd be a sakta. Right? But the question is, it's not five, ten minutes. What is that? That's the that's called saluk. One on one individual talab. Individual ibadat for Allah subhanahu And so many times in these it just comes to rakaf. So it's nice. Oh, even the hadiths are showing us. Allah is not expecting that it's gonna happen twenty four hours all the time. Rakatain, 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 Durakas this, Ha Istikhara, Durakas, Hajat, Durakas, Toba from Sin, Durakas. These things, tired, Tajud, spouse, Durakas, Durakas, Durakas. What is that? Hmm? Like 10 minutes. 15 minutes. Hmm? Add everything, we'll do everything, 20 minutes. Hmm? You have to have some element of this salute. Sometimes we call it Majana. Sometimes they call it Niyaza, your own individual exertion and striving. That will also keep the Jazba Junun going. Because ultimately, if you never act on it, you can't keep the Jazba Junun. You start losing it. That's how feelings are. If you don't express them or act on them, ultimately you start losing the feeling. So that, that's why I said that the fourth part is not just about the feeling, but it is a practice. I mean, it's an amal in order to keep that feeling. So now you can just understand these four words, Tazkiyah, Zod, Ihsan, and Salut. Alright?
And if inshallah until he gives us tawfiq to do so and begin and always end with what I've mentioned, that everything happens from the rahmah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we are very much that. We're not inherently zakir or wali, we're inherently sinner. If there's any sin that we didn't do, it's only the rahmah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Especially in an environment like this. Right? When you witness sin, you hear about sin, you know about sin. And if I was to be more blunt, especially with the past record, our own record, our own life, you know. If there's somebody who's been a criminal for years and has so many crimes in his Namayama, and if all of a sudden they don't do that crime anymore, that's an amazing, that's a miracle from Allah SWT. That's a miracle from Allah SWT. So if somebody says, I didn't lower, I, I, I didn't raise my gaze, I didn't look at something, I didn't cast a lustful glance. You, with your record, in your name and probably hundreds and thousands of horrific lustful glances you've cast in your life, and you're telling me you spent one day without casting a lustful glance? This is a miracle from Allah SWT. This is a miracle from Allah SWT. You can't defeat the Baha'i, it might happen tomorrow, it might happen in a week, but it didn't happen today with your record? <laughs> With your record, just think, all of us remember our own Nami Amal. What type of record are you? prayed Fajr today with your record? How many times have you missed Fajr in your life? You're telling me you made it for Fajr today? This is a miracle happened to you. And if it's happening for 60 days straight or 3 years straight, it doesn't make it any less miracle. Your record is still there. With this book of deeds, you've been praying Fajr for 3 years? Are you kidding me? This is a miracle from Allah SWT. This is a rahmah from Allah SWT. You've got a beard with that same face that you've used to look at sin and speak sin on that same face. Allah Ta'ala adorned it with sunnah with that record. Just imagine all the sins that that face has done with its eyes, with its lips and with its ears. A face like that with that record. You're telling me Allah Ta'ala has given you tawfiq to keep sunnah beard for 10 years? This is a miracle from Allah Ta'ala. This is the rahmah mercy from Allah Ta'ala. Now you get an idea what I'm talking. I'm giving that you you have to run with this now. You have to think more ways and talk to. I gave you my own ways where I talk where I talked to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. All right. Now you have to find your own ways to talk to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. On these lines, and this will keep your jazba and janoon. And that's a golden thing. That is the golden thing. And don't let anything, nothing that happens to you in your dunya can touch your jazba and janoon. It'll touch your amal. It'll make you do less that day, make you read less that day, recite less that day, whatever it was, busyness, crisis, laziness, whatever it is. But nothing should touch your jazba and janoon. That's the asal. And that is one beautiful thing about this path. Right? And that's an effort that it is important that we should have some effort, something in our life some way of connecting with Deen that keeps us on this just bunjum. Well, this is what I wanted to explain to you today. One last thing I wanted to mention, separate from this about just bunjum, is about your zikr. All right. So let me just tell you very practically. So sometimes I will come like on a day trip and just trying to get to meet you people and give you medicine and I will leave as I'm, I'm going to leave immediately. Inshallah, almost immediately. When I'll be done with the Alright? Okay? So at least, you know, I also get a break from some whatever, our academic work. And we also get a chance to at least have some interaction or contact with you people. Alright? Zikr, now what you should be doing, Zikr. Is the ultimate zikr in Imam al-Bari also written this clearly in Maktubat is that zikr which combines the tongue and the heart both. He doesn't say it this way, but he says that the person in the beginning should do zikr to kalbi muraqabah so that their heart is able to focus on Allah SWT. Then, the next stage a person should do tilawah to Quran. Now, tilawah to Quran is lisani zikr. That's zikr of the tongue. And try to down now take that focus and feeling for Allah SWT that they developed through Maraqaba Wukufa Kambi and use it in Tilawat Quran so that they recite Quran with feeling. And then, once they're able to recite Quran al Kareem with heartfelt feelings and remembrance and zikr for Allah SWT, then they should then again shift and now they should pray Nawafil Salah. 
and the asl is nawafil. Right? So all this talk about muntahi and madzub and all of that stuff, I'd say the end of the path is exactly where Sahaba Kram were, but the Allah is that they prayed long nawafil. And if you find this is a sign of our great Mashaikh and Akamah. Imam Abu Hanifa Rahimahullahu Ta'ala used to pray so much long nawafil that it, they viewed it like this. Although technically it may not be true, but he's prayed so many long nawafil all night, so much of his life, that the city has for 40 years he prayed Fajr with the Wudu Avisha. But they meant by that pretty much 40 years of his life, he spent almost all of the night in worship. And he used to trade in cloth, and he taught and left the leg and the greatest legacy of fiqh and masayat and ways of understanding Quran and Sunnah to give legal shari guidance to people. Hmm? And you read about other ulama and masayik even in more recent times. What will, what will touch you is their long nawafil, right? But okay, so we're, we're not at that level yet, right? So what you should do is, for example, yanyubuku fakalmi. So, yes, definitely, try to remember the spanta on your heart so that you get that practice of being able to remember in your heart and then try to recite some tasbih such as, and I, I, I don't remember, maybe I told it, I can't remember, I always forget what I, I exactly I tell you people last time and this time but subhanallah wa bihamdi subhanallah because that tasbih that is closest to the feeling of zikr that comes from raqaba is tasbih you need to say subhanallah more than even saying la ilaha illallah and more than saying even the shrif and then try to say this subhanallah wa bihamdi subhanallah with feelings and start and track yourself try it don't wait it's not some huge graduation that will happen with you one day that I'm going to sit you down and call you and tell you now you are ready to practice zikr al-kalbi and lasani together it's not like that this is deen you're supposed to start doing it already. Try it. Try to say subhanallah and see does my heart feel it or not? Is my heart into it or not? And inshallah, those of you who have been practicing Muraqabah, you will feel it. You will actually see. Then you will see the value of zikr al-kalbi. You say, yes, I am actually I'm able to recite it with feeling from the spontaneous. My heart is feeling the feeling of hamd. My heart is feeling the feeling of tasbih. And also la ilaha and also the retrieve salawat. Alright. So again, do your muraqabah, your athkar for this purpose. For the purpose and goal of getting the feeling of zikr from the spanata. Not just for completing the time of zikr that you feel or you think you were instructed in doing. Sometimes we instruct you in different amounts of time, but that's just a technique. To get you to the goal of the feeling of remembrance. If ever you get the feeling of remembrance, run with it, fly with it. If ever you feel you don't have that feeling of remembrance, work harder to try to get it. And if it happens that you're unable to have any feelings whatsoever for Allah SWT with your heart, and you say, I'm going completely flat today in my zikr kalbi, then shift to zikr al-sami. So, the best zikr is that of the heart and the tongue both the second best is heart only the third best is tongue only if you're not succeeding in heart only drop down and do tongue only then obviously if you can't even do heart only you can't do both right because to do both you have to have heart and you say I don't have heart okay so drop down to tongue only either way then you will not be empty of any aspect of the zikr of Allah subhanahu wa When you drop down to tongue only, keep your eyes on the heart. Keep trying. Keep trying to feel what you're reciting. As a Shaykh Wajuddin, one of the things he used to say is he, felt, he said that, how would I explain this in English? He said, I would, I would feel embarrassed and ashamed for that heart that can say subhanallah wa bihamdi with ghafla. Means the tongue is saying subhanallah wa bihamdi and the person is thinking something else. They're just walking around saying subhanallah wa bihamdi, subhanallah wa bihamdi, subhanallah wa bihamdi. But, but the, their mind is planning their day or thinking what they have to do or reading the billboards and the train while their tongue is talking but they're actually reading. People, and that's the level of ghafla people have. So if you find like that, then no. 
with such a horrific level of left line the heart, then according to some mashaykh, then the better adab is okay, then you silence the tongue and you focus on the heart and say, well, what's the matter with you? What's happening to you? Then I'm trying with my tongue to say, Tasbih of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you were so ghafil, you're reading the signs on the train. <laughs> I come straight to you then. What's the problem? Mm -hmm. Right? And then go back and see. Toggle back and forth. Do whatever you want in Mugufakami. Toggle back and forth. Work on this. Drop down to this. Try to go up to that. Try to do both. Fail in doing both. Drop back down. But this is, this is, this is me. This is the person that's just been doing. They're trying one way or the other. See the people crazy for dunya. They try when people crazy for visa. They try when they student visa and like a work visa lagalta. When they like a shadi kirk spouse visa lagalta. Like They try one way or the other. Hmm? They try this way, they try that way, they try this way, they try that way. That's called judgment, you know? Hmm? Not that Sheikh, I tried to do what you call Wabufa Kalbi. I listened to your talk on Islamic spirituality. I didn't really understand it. So I stopped doing it. And then what's the next sign? So what are you doing then? Because I, I'm just teaching you that you have to try to remember the spontan. But there's no fikr. Clearly there's no hum. You know? It's like the same thing in academics. You can tell a student to do something, go back and do it. So okay, well, did you pick a different topic? Did you write a different essay? Did you read a different book? You have some other question for me? He just stares at you blankly. You can tell he's not interested in this field. He's got no passion. He's not sincere. You weren't students like that. I mean, those of you who are more accomplished in the world, you didn't study your university like that. I mean, you know if you did, you would have never gone anywhere. So what makes you think that approach is going to work in your deen? Hmm? You should be writing me. You, you should be teaching me. I tried that. It didn't work. I picked up the Quran. I read this verse. I recited that. Time. That worked for me. I said, well, good. That's what it is. Fill in the gaps. I said, good. Alhamdulillah. You know, I never told you to read that verse ten times, but I'm happy that you discovered that. That's Luke. You should shake that and work for me. I had gone to somebody's beyond in some other town. They, they heard them saying beyond and imagine that you're being lowered into your grave and your friends are walking away. I tried that. That snapped me into shape. I said, good. That's the next step. And the next step is and go back and write what I told you to do also. What does that mean? Say back, I heard that thing. I imagined I was in the grave. Some My friends were going away. Snapped me to shape. Made me remember Spantala. And in that state of being knocked into my cell, remembering the response, I did wuku for Kalbi and I made it work. Hmm? You've got to be, that's saluk, basically. I came back now on saluk, giving you one other aspect of saluk, which is zikr. You've got to make it work for you. You've got to make it work for you. There are too many armchair Sufis out there. The armchair Sufis are the ones who love to talk about high level tasawwuf. And read books on high level tasawwuf and chat up on forums on high level tasawwuf. Hmm? And sometimes it's nice, it gets them to it gets them to a certain level because it puts in their heart love for Oliya, love for Mishai, love for the tradition, gives them a thought look. But for them also, unless they come down and do the work, become a Pranam Amal, work on their zikr, work on saluk, it can only take you so far. So love with Mashaikh, Soba with Mashaikh is an element and plays a role. But ultimately you have to get it working. The purpose of training is we're training you to do something. And if you don't start doing it and you just do the training but you never do the doing, then that, that, that puts a person in this loop. Well, the whole purpose of the training was so you would do the doing. The whole purpose of training you in Zikr so you do Zikr. Not just you keep going in this loop. And any effort of Deen that ended up in this closed loop starts going astray. The purpose of initial purpose of connecting people to the path of Allah was to connect them to Allah SWT. And if you close the loop and they're just being connected to the path of Allah SWT, then you, you lost the, the cream goal. You might get many other goals, but you lost the cream goal. The purpose of connecting to a sheikh was to get connected to Allah SWT. If you close the loop and you're just connected to a sheikh, then again you lost the cream goal. So you have to think better how to use your connection to Shaykh or your connection to some teaching zikr to connect you to Allah SWT. That's your job. I can I do it for you in Majlis. That's what Majlis says. We try to do it for you and show you. But ultimately you have to do it yourself. So Jazban Junoon, Jazban Junoon, Jazban Junoon. Tazkiya, Zod, Esan, Suluk. Jazban Junoon. Tazkiyah, Zod, Isan, and Suluk.
just a bunch of them. Because the last thing I will say then is that because that jazbah is what attracts the rahmah of Allah subhanahu wa That's what Malala Rulamata said beautifully in his Masnavi. And there, I mean, this is what he said and I'm using it for this purpose. That he wrote that water is thirsty for the one who is thirsty for it. So the mercy of Allah Ta'ala will be, quote unquote, so to speak, thirsty for the person who is thirsty for it. The mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will seek out that person who wants it. But that wanting, but we also, sometimes I've explained to you, there's a talab, talab irada, talab irada, niyat talab irada, niyat talab irada, your intention, your wanting, and your, 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 your intention, your seeking, and your wanting. Intending, seeking, wanting, intending, seeking, wanting, intending, seeking, wanting. Even if every time it ends up with failing, but you keep time on the intending, seeking, and wanting, you get the mercy of Allah SWT. Any staying away from sin, any amal on deen is only and always right up to the grave. No matter how much ilm, no matter how much zikr, no matter how much taqwa, no matter how much haya, right into the grave, any sin that we leave or any amal we do is due to the rahmah of Allah SWT. The mercy of Allah SWT. May Allah Ta'ala give us tawfiq to do amal. Close your eyes, just finish yourself from the world. Make me that you're trying to remember Allah SWT in your heart. Have feelings for Allah SWT in your heart. That you want to focus on His Ismail, Ism Jalala, Allah. And through remembering His name, you want to remember Him. Through focusing on His name, you actually want to focus on Him. And that your heart, your spiritual heart, the heart of your ruh, your qalb, is silently yearning His name. That your qalb is calling Allah, Allah, Allah. Thank you.